You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Oh, you know, my heart is overwhelmed right now in this message. Uh, this is one of those messages. The title of the message is Hope in God's Word. And we're talking about this book right here today. We're talking about the power of this book right here. And uh, part of me just wants to say here, gosh, it's just so much. Would you just eat it? Because it's just like, it's just so much. I mean, just eat it. Um, I want to I share a story with you. When I was, uh, as a lot of you know, I was in Alaska a week ago and working with other pastors. And, and while I was there, one of the pastors told me a story about him hunting with a friend. And, and he said that he went with his friend and... Uh, and uh, <coughs> This guy went with his friend, and, and, and they, were, they were hunting down caribou. Caribou is a big deal over there, and so they were hunting some caribou. And they saw a herd of caribou from a distance. So, so one of the guys tells, uh, the more experienced guy tells the, the, the more inexperienced guy, um, <clears throat> you wait here, and I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to work around uh, this ridge. They were in the tundra. They were going to work around here in the tundra, and I'm going to chase the caribou to come your way. So that the, and he gave him his guns, gave him all of his guns, his pistol, his gun, everything. He says, you just... Pick your caribou that you want, pick out your bull, and, and, and go ahead, and, and, and then we'll take it down, and, and then we'll do that. So he said, all right. So, so he, he takes off, uh, and he leaves his guns with his, his friend, and he takes off around, <clears throat> going through the tundra, and as he's going, he swings around, and he's a pretty good distance, and he's keeping you know, downwill from the caribou, and, and while he's out there, he looks out in the far distance, and there's this, there's this brown thing that's way out in the distance that's coming closer and closer to him. And it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It's a grizzly bear. And the grizzly bear saw this hunter without his guns uh, circling around the tundra. And this grizzly bear all of a sudden just goes ballistic and runs full speed at this guy who's out there without his guns. Now, um, my pastor friend said, Reuben, you need to understand grizzly bears can run faster than a horse. He said they run really fast, and it was just coming right at him. And he said, sometimes they just get PO'd and they just want to kill you. There's no rhyme or reason behind it. There's just something in them that they all of a sudden just want to kill you. So he's running full speed at this guy who doesn't have his guns. So right around 100 yards or so, this guy doesn't know what to do, and he sees him running, and then he just goes, ah! He just starts yelling and raising his hands, and that big grizzly bear halted on, it just came to a full sideways stop, and he was just circling the guy, just growling and, you know, circling the guy, walking around the guy, and goes, ah! He's out of the middle of the tundra, and then all of a sudden, the grizzly bear just took off and ran away. And I, I, I told the guy, good night. Did he have to change his pants? You know, because <laughs> that would have been, that would have been me. I would have been like, oh, Jesus. But going through life without the Word of God is like going through and getting in that situation and not having the right gun or anything like that to protect yourself. You need the Word of God. The Word of God is the most powerful force you will ever encounter. Let me ask you another question. How often do you open up this book? How many verses do you know by memory? How old are you? <clears throat> do you know one for every year of your, your age? How often? If it's the most powerful book, <clears throat> when I, when I, when I, I, let me just start right here, guys. Well, Psalm 119, here it is. My soul fates with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. 
Psalm 118 is a beautiful, or Psalm 119 is a beautiful chapter. It's the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's all about the Word of God. And the psalmist is saying, fainting, that they're feeling like they're fainting. There's a loss of strength. They're ready to collapse. Things aren't going their way when their soul is so weak, so empty of strength, but they put their hope in God's Word. Aren't you excited you get to hear the Word of God today? Lisa Turker said this, when the world beats you down, open up your Bible. I think the, the challenge with this is it's too simple for us. It's too simple. We have access to the Word of God. We even have it on our phones, and you can download a Bible app, and, and it just seems too simple. But Scripture, over and over, it tells us that the Word of God is just so powerful. Everything has started. And think about this book for a little bit. It was written from 1500 B.C. to 100 A.D., 66 books, 39 books in the Old Testament and 27 books in the New Testament, written in three languages, written on three continents, 1,189 chapters, 31,173 verses, depending on your translation, and in all of it, we find perfect harmony with the message it conveys. F.F. Bruce said this, the Bible is not simply an anthology, there is a unity which binds this whole together. And in 2 Timothy, we read about the power of it. It says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So this verse tells us right here, the key word is God-breathed. That means it joins the words theos and neustos together, which has this, conveys this idea that Scripture is breathed out by God, serving as an extension of God himself. This is not like a novel. This is not like a success how-to book. This is not like a good positive thinking book. This is the Word of God, and it's literally just God-breathed. That's what it is. It's God-breathed. <clears throat> Second Peter also says this, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human, but, all, but prophets, there is, though human, spoke from God, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So these human beings, flawed, marred by sin, God worked through them, his Holy Spirit working through them. Genesis 1 starts off with a word. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. The earth was formless and void. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then what happened? Verse 3 says this. Let's read those three words out loud, guys. And there's, that's how it all started. That's how it all started. Then God said. You see the power of God's word? It was formless. It was void. It was dark. Then God said. Ten times, depending on your translation, in, in Genesis chapter 1, you read, then God said. See, there's nothing as powerful or more powerful than the Word of God. The Word of God can change anything. Isaiah chapter 55 says it like this, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. Some versions say void but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. When God speaks, it will come to pass. It may not come to pass quickly, but it will come to 
pass. Here, in, here at Thorn Creek, we're, we're about to be 17 years old on April 20th. And just in the, that 17 years, I can tell you what I've witnessed. I have seen people, after a message that is preached, after the Word of God is preached, I have seen atheists come to know Jesus at this church because of the Word of God. I have seen marriages turn and change because of the Word of God. I have seen people become pastors and missionaries because of the Word of God. I have seen people quit their jobs because they recognize it wasn't a healthy situation because of the Word of God. I have seen people seek God, seek God with all their heart because of the Word of God. I have seen men turn to God because of this Word of God that's preached. It is so powerful. It's more powerful than anything else you will ever witness. Hebrews says it like this, For the Word of God is alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. Joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's how powerful this word is. It goes deep. Deeper than anything else you'll ever experience. Deeper than anything else. I was with someone this week. They called me and they asked me to visit them at the hospital. And, uh, at first, when I got the call, I was like, gosh, why is he calling me? I feel like I, this guy hadn't been in church about a year or something like that, but he was calling me out of the blue. Literally stopped coming about a year, year and a half ago or something like that. So I find out what hospital. He was in North Suburban, and I went to North Suburban to go visit him. And he was lying down on the hospital bed. And I said, hey, I, I, how's it going? What's going on? And then he gets really quiet, and he says, Pastor, <clears throat> he said, I came in with chest pains, and, and um, <clears throat> it hasn't gone well. And when I came in, they put me on the bed, and, and, and he said, and at some point, and he gets quiet, and he starts crying, and he says, I just, I just left. I said, I said, we left? What do you mean? He goes, yeah, I just left. I was gone. And then he said, and then the next thing, I, he said, I remember it was dark, and, and there were figures. And, and he said, and then I remember coming back. I remember the, doc, the doctor's hand under my head. And I remember the doctor saying, he's back. This is what he's telling me. And I said, oh, man, um, wow. I said, this is like God's giving you another, another life. And he goes, yeah, yeah. I said, what are you going to do with it? <clears throat> and then I opened up the Bible, and I wrote, read Romans chapter 10. Tim, you know Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. It, it, it talks about this, this idea of the word of, about God's will for us. And... and um, <clears throat> It says, I read to him, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. And I read that to him, and I said, hey, brother, do you want to accept Jesus Christ into your life right now? And I've asked him that question. A year and a half ago, I asked him that same question after church services because I knew God was stirring his heart. You know, you, you, when God stirs your heart, you can see it in the eyes and you can see it in the soul. And some people receive it and some people don't. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I asked him a year and a half ago, I said, hey, brother, are you ready to accept Jesus into your life? And he said, no. And I so appreciate his honesty because when you, when you say yes, it's got to be yes. And you don't just go through the motions. So he said, no. And I said, that's cool. But now, fast forward a year and a half after, and now I'm with him at North Suburban at the hospital's hospital bed, and I'm talking to him, and he is keenly aware. He is keenly aware of the, 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 
the, the, just life, how short it is. He is keenly aware. He, he, I was like, he, he felt like he just, I, I don't know if he officially died or what, but he just felt like he, he went to this place and, and he, was, he said, I was out and I, I checked out and, and I just remember them saying, I'm, he's back and, and I, he got a second chance. And, and I said, are, are you ready to accept Jesus? And I read this to him and, and with tears rolling down his cheeks, he says, yes. And I led this prayer. I said, just say this prayer, brother. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I give my life to you. I want to make you Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And he said it. Did I tell you that someone accepted Jesus Christ this week? Did I tell you that? Did I tell you someone accepted Jesus Christ this week? I, I, I sure hope as Christians you don't ever, that, that, that's just, just a joyous thing. I told him, now, brother, in heaven, Scripture says that there's a party going on in heaven because you turned to Jesus. The Word of God. It's more powerful than anything you will ever, ever face. The Lord drew me to a passage. It's in 2 Kings chapter 22. And it's a story about King Josiah. King Josiah, he was eight years old when he became king. But uh, if you look at 2 Kings chapter 21, you see how dark the situation was. In 2 Kings chapter 21, there's a story about Josiah's dad. Josiah's dad was an evil, evil king. And in fact, Josiah's grandfather was an evil, evil king. And Scripture says they were so bad, they even offered their very own son and burned them to worship this pagan god. It's a horrible, horrible thing. They, they worshiped this, this thing called the Asherah pole, and, and, and it was a darkness, evil. Now, if you keep going up the family tree, the, his great-grandfather is a good king named Hezekiah. Hezekiah is a good king. But between Hezekiah and Josiah, there's two dads there that were evil. And as you look at this situation, you have to understand that when, when Josiah was taking reign of Judah, and he was reign of, of Judah at this time, Israel had already been taken captive by Assyria. They were already exiled into Assyria. So Judah was now in this situation, and God wanted Judah to learn from Israel. God wanted them not to make the same mistakes, but, the, but it was a horrible situation. And what I want you to think about is how bad is your situation at home? How bad is it? How bad is the family that you grew up? For some of you, you might have had abuse in it or a, dar a darkness or a spirit of lying or drunkenness or whatever it is, or you never went to church. Everybody said, God, you know, nothing, you know what happened? This was a bad situation. And something happened. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan, the court secretary, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Now, most scholars believe the book that they're referring to is the book of Deuteronomy that Moses wrote. <clears throat> and that's what he found. Then Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan and he read it. Shaphan went to the king, that's Josiah, and reported, your officials have turned over the money collected at the temple to the Lord, the workers and supervisors at the temple. So now he's just telling them, hey, let me give you an update on the business side of stuff. We're building this temple and everything is accounted for and, and, and this, is, this is all that's happening. And then Shaphan also told the king, by the way, Hilkiah the high priest has given me a scroll. So Shaphan read it to the king. Now, this word was not around and I mean, you don't see any evidence that the word was read during the days of Josiah's father or his grandfather. It was, it was Hezekiah. 
And then, but you see this, this gap there. And look what happens to the king in verse 11. It says, when the king heard what was written in the book of the law. What did he do, church? We did it out loud. He... All he did was read the word to Josiah. And when he heard the word, something happened inside of his heart. Something resonated inside of his heart. And it penetrated joint and marrow, soul and spirit like a double-edged sword. And it went all the way to his heart. And he was convicted. And he saw that sin in his life and in the sin of the nation of Israel, and he tore his clothes. What was he doing? He was repenting. He was turning to God. That's what Scripture talks about, repentance, when you're going one way, and God speaks to you about your life, whatever it is, and you make a whole about face, and you say, I'm going to turn to God, and I'm going to leave that old life behind. And Scripture says, you keep reading this chapter, the entire nation of Judah turned to God during the days of Josiah because... The word of God was read, and King Josiah responded with a brokenness, a contrite heart, and repentful, and he turned to God. God can do the same thing in your home. It's, he only needs one person to receive it. He can do the same thing in your life. When I, when I see this, I, I, first question I ask is, did you get it? Did you get it? Do you get it? Why in the world is it? That in church services all over the world, church services, when a message is preached, why is it that there are certain people that get it and other people don't get it? You ever wondered about that? Why is it that there's one person that's like, wow, that was a powerful message. God just spoke to me, and I, he wants me to do this, and he wants me to do this, and he wants me to do this. And then you have that other person that's like looking at their phone. You're looking at Snapchat or thinking about Chipotle or something or Starbucks or something, and they're like, but yeah, it was a good service. Yeah, it was a good service. Why is it that some people get it and other people don't? I'm going to tell you right now. It's found in Luke chapter 8. It's found in Luke chapter 8. Um, <clears throat> the Bible, um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And when I was 18 years old, I was just doing my own stuff. And, and I, was, uh, <laughs> I was out in <clears throat> Port Aransas, Texas, at the beach, I was just partying with my friends, and we were living on a bag of chips and beer for the whole week. I remember that. And, and, and that was our life, and, and it was just my friends, and that was it. I, I had no interest in God, no interest in church. We were just kind of doing life our own kind of thing. And I remember my cousin went to, she was in California, and, and she got saved. She became a Christian. And I remember she came back, and, and she said, Reuben, you know, she heard a little bit about me. She says, here, I want to give you this. And she gave me a Bible. And I'm going to tell you, it was the most embarrassing gift I'd ever received. I was so offended because I was like, I'm not that bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> Why are you giving me a Bible? I didn't find it. I wasn't like, oh, thank you for the Bible. I didn't want the Bible. And she gives me a Bible. So I just kind of threw it in my room. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. You found me. You're a Jesus freak. I'm, uh, whatever. I'm going to go out with my friends. But something happened. I was working at this plant nursery, and I was working with this guy named Bert. And Bert was so far from God. He was an English major. He was on the dean's list at the university. He had, he, he had such a broad vocabulary. He was so smart. He was a guy who would remember stuff from second grade. And it was sick. And what I liked about Bert, he was well-read, just a well-read guy. What I liked about Bert was he was far from God, and he did drugs. And typically, smart people and drugs don't go together. But for him, it did. So I just connected with a guy, and we just talked a lot. 
And one day we're putting together these pots of soil. He's not a Christian. The guy, I would say, is an atheist. He had no, 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 I mean, no, he wasn't a Christian at all. And we're putting together pots of soil, and he says, hey, Reuben, all these pots of soil that we're putting together for these plants, it reminds me of the story in the Bible called the parable of the sower. And he starts telling me about the parable of the sower. You know what's crazy about that? This is a guy who wrote an English paper on the use of the F-bomb word and the multiple uses of the F-bomb, and it was a well-written paper, and he gets an A on it. That's this guy, just a cool, fun guy. And he's telling me about the parable of the sower. God used an atheist to reach me. He has no idea the power of God's word that he's sharing. He has no idea the power of God's word. I went home, and I opened up that most embarrassing gift, and here's what I read. I didn't even know where Luke was at. I just opened it up. I only knew where the book of Genesis was at. I opened it up right to Luke chapter 8. This is what I read. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from the town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When I read this, God was already stirring my heart. As we go through this, I want to ask you, what type of soil are you? Because this tells us right here there's four different types of people. You will respond to the word of God here in four different ways. His disciples asked him what this meant, and he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but others I speak in parables so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parables, of the parable. The seed, let's read that out loud, read the bold out loud. The seed, all right, so here's the word of God. When you hear a message, when you read scripture, when you hear about this gospel of Christ, when you hear about God's desire for you to turn to him, the seed is the word of God, all right? I'm a farmer every weekend. That pastor's, I'm just scattering seed. That's all I'm doing. I'm just scattering seed. I'm just scattering seed, and I'm just throwing it out there like that, saying, hey, this is God's will for your life. He loves you, and he cares about you, and he wants you to trust him. That's, I'm just scattering seed. Now, here it is. Those along the, the what church? The, are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So what, what does a path look like? Well, it's just hard. It's a dirt road, right? It's just hard. You, you, don't, you don't plant a tree or your favorite plant on a path that's hard because the ground is not right. It's just hard. So when, when that person receives the word of God, the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. This is the same one where earlier he said it was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Okay, so the, the seed is thrown on you, but it's just hard ground. And as soon as it hits on, on, your, on your heart, your, your heart is so hard that there's no place for root. 
It's just too hard. And immediately the devil comes, is what it says, and takes the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So this is the person where the message is preached about the gospel of Christ, but, but, but just as quickly as it falls, as quickly as it falls, it's taken up as well. The path. Is that you? 13 says this, verse 13. Those on the rocky, say rocky ground with me, on the, on the rocky ground, are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have what? They have, you know anyone like that? I went to church, it's awesome, it's so exciting, yeah, it's so great. They have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of what? They fall away. So those are the people that are, yeah, it's so excited. I love this. And, you know, as soon as they go through any kind of testing or trial, they just throw it all away and say, I don't know what that was all about. You ever know anyone like that who at one point in their life, maybe it was you, you're like so excited and this is great and, or, you know, someone's like that. And then you meet them again in a year and you're like, hey, what happened? What's all that about? You know, we're, you know, yeah, I don't go to church anymore. Yeah. <clears throat> Here comes the other one. Verse 14 says, The seed that fell among what? Stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. So these are people that they hear, but they're choked. I so want to bring up a volunteer up here right now and choke him just to show you what that looks like. And I, I, I just don't think it'd be good. But there's a part of me that wants to do it. But that's the idea. And what are they choked by? Life's what? Anyone worry out here? Your worry can strangle your faith. Your worry can choke your faith in God. Your worry can affect your spiritual life. In fact, Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 says, do not worry. And he compares it to people. He said, if you worry, you're like those pagans. And if you worry, you know what you're telling God? God, I don't think you're big enough to handle my circumstances. God, I don't think you love me enough to care about me. God, I don't think you see everything and I need to worry, God. Worry is a serious issue. It's a serious issue. Last night after I preached this message, a guy came up to me and he says, Pastor, I just want to hug you. God really is helping me out with my worry. And he gave me a big old hug. If you'd have seen him, you'd have freaked out because he's not, he's not one of those hugging kind of guys. But that's what worry does. It'll strangle you. It'll create anxiety and you're going to be shadow boxing. It, it, that's what worry does. And this person who falls the thorns is choked by life's worries. And what else? Riches and pleasures. That means when your heart is more set in this world than in heaven. That means you care more about that house or that new car or the things that this world provides than, 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 than the one who is blessed. That means you worship the blessing and not the blesser. That's what that's about. You care more about the riches and pleasures of this world. And all of that stuff, it's like throwing seed among thorns. It grows for a little bit, doesn't it? That's what happens. It grows for a little bit. But when it gets to a certain height, 
Have you ever had a plant grow among thorns? You've seen a bush or something growing among thorns? It grows for a little bit, doesn't it? But after a while, when they start competing, the thorns win. The thorns win. And so many times, those hard times and worries and riches and pleasures, and, and as a result of all this, what does Scripture say those people who fell among, among thorns? They do not mature. See, it's possible to go to church and not mature. It's possible to have the right answers and not mature. All right, here's, here, here's the good stuff here. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, and what do they do? They retain it. They first hear it, and then they retain it. And by preserving, produce, persevering, excuse me, persevering, produce a crop. Persevering. That means I'm going to keep walking by faith. I'm going to keep going forward. Even when it's hard, even when life doesn't make sense, I'm going to keep going to church. I'm going to keep spending time in God's Word. I'm going to, I'm not, I'm going to keep living this life of obedience. I'm going to endure. I'm going to persevere. And that's good soil. They hear it and they receive it. What's keeping God's Word from growing roots in your heart right now? Is it worry? Is it sin? Is it a desire? Is it fear? What's keeping God's word from growing roots in your heart right now? What kind of path are you? What does it look like? What represents you? Is it that path, that hard ground, or is it that rocky ground, or is it the thorns, or is it the good soil? I want you to hear this. The condition of your heart will determine if God's word sticks. The condition of your heart will determine if God's word sticks. Really, God is in the ripening business. Because what I've discovered is we can be so self-centered and hard-headed and prideful and full of ego. Sometimes we need those tough things to happen in our life to humble us. Sometimes. But what I've discovered is when someone is humbled because of life's circumstances, their heart becomes more ripe. And they're able to receive God's word. So I would say, <laughs> don't wait for life to crash down around you before you turn to God. Don't wait for it to get that bad. While you have breath and a beating heart, turn to God right now. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. You know, when Jesus in Luke chapter 4, after he was baptized, he was led out into the wilderness by the Spirit of God, and he was tempted by the devil. You read about that. And in there, you see Jesus and the devil have this conversation. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus answers the devil like this. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. And the way, the way Jesus combats the devil is he quotes Scripture. And he says, it is written. It is written. It is written. Now, if Jesus uses Scripture to defeat the enemy, it's an example for us that we need to use Scripture. We need to know Scripture. We need to hide it in our heart and let God work in us and through us. See, you, the, the Word of God, you, the Word of God could be used to chase out that demon in your life. If you want to be set free from that stronghold, just read your Bible. 
If you want to be set free, if you want to be delivered from that darkness, just read your Bible. See, here's the problem. The problem some people have is they don't spend enough time with the truth to know the lie. If you ask any person who, you know, professional counterfeit money or whatever, you know what they do? They spend a lot of time looking at the authentic so they can determine what the inauthentic, what the counterfeit looks like. That's the strategy. Same thing. The more time you spend time reading God's word, then you could determine that lie. So then when you have thoughts like, I'm not worthy, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me, I can never be set free, I'll never be out of this financial situation, my life will never get better, I'm used goods, I'm worthless, I should just take my life, there is no God, he doesn't care about me. When you have thoughts like that, because you're spending so much time in the truth, you'll be able to look at it and say, that's not true. Just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. That's the problem for a lot of people. Scripture says faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I like what Avery said. Avery is one of our students here. He's a sophomore in high school. And he turned to Christ here. Pastor Nick baptized him. And he said this, I started reading the Bible at home. I felt an urge to read it. Reading the Bible gave me the ability to understand that when I don't feel loved, I am loved. When I feel alone, the Lord is always with me. When I need to talk to someone and share my feelings, the Lord is always there. It gives me a new perspective. The Lord's great capacity for love helped me read the Bible. The word of God is strong and powerful. He'll get you out of whatever dark place you are in. Isn't that not good, guys? Isn't that good? Yeah, put your hands together for that. That's a glory to God. You're in a church that is ministering to all generations here. Let me give you some tips to read the Bible here. There's just five. You can take a picture if you want. Find a quiet place. Maybe it's in your car. Suzanne Wesley, the wife of John Wesley, great Methodist preacher. She had a whole bunch of kids, like 10 plus kids. I mean, a bunch of kids. And she would put her apron over her head. And, and all the kids knew when the apron is over mom's head, you leave her alone because she's reading the Bible. You can find a quiet place. And then commit to a routine. If you don't commit to a routine, it won't happen. You got to know yourself. You got to know yourself. I, I personally, I, I've made it a point that I'm going to read my Bible. I try to read at least one chapter a day. I'm going to read my Bible before I look at my inbox, before I open up any email, or maybe it's before you look at any social media, before you read any post or any thread or Snapchat, whatever, you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to read my Bible first. Just do something like that to discipline yourself. And then open up your Bible. It's amazing how we, we now can get it on our phone. The Version app is a great app to use. A great app. It's free. There's all kinds of versions there. There's Bible reading plans there that you can choose. A lot of times people say, well, I don't know where to start. And you know what they do? Nothing. Start somewhere. Read, read Matthew. Go work through the New Testament. And then underline and highlight. Let's see if I can find a page where I underline and highlight. Um, underline and highlight. Just whatever it is. Because that's when you're engaging. Take your time to read the Word. It's not like a newspaper article. It's not like a post. It's not like a journal entry or anything. I mean, it just take your time and let the Word sit in you. And then pray. After you underline and highlight, just pray. Let, that, let your prayer become a reflection of what you just read. 
Let that influence your prayer life. A.W. Tozer said, whatever keeps me from my Bible is my enemy, however harmless it may appear to me. Whatever keeps me from my Bible. If you want to know God's purpose for your life, read your Bible. You will learn to discern God's voice for your life and spend less time guessing. You want to know God's will for your life? God can speak to you and minister to you in a way that no man or woman can. Let me give you this warning. James says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must what? You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the words and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, into God's word that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I like the way Francis Chan said it. Don't fall into the trap of studying the Bible without doing what it says. So it's not just studying. It's not just reading. It's not just knowing. It's not just learning, but it's doing. There's a group in the Bible who were really good at learning and studying and not doing. And you know who they were called? Pharisees. Really good. And that, for whatever reason, in the Christian world, that, that's a, that's a, that happens in the, in the church life. You know people like that. They, they can lead a Bible study, but they just don't live it out. <laughs> that happens. And there's another person in the Bible that knows Scripture really, really, really well. Really well. And you know what his name is? Satan, the devil. He knows Scripture really well. He was twisting it around with Jesus. He was twisting it around. So knowing is not enough. Knowing's really important. You've got to learn and grow. See, there's nothing worse than a pastor who doesn't practice what he preaches. I try to be the same guy off stage as I am on stage. That's my children and my wife. But let me tell you something else. There's nothing worse than a Christian husband who abuses and belittles or dishonors his wife. There's nothing worse than a Christian husband who does that, who treats his bride like that. And there's nothing worse than a Christian wife who manipulates, controls, or disrespects her husband. There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than a Christian senior adult who spent their whole life in the church that teaches others how to complain. Nothing worse than that. There's nothing worse than a Christian student or teenager who disrespects their parents but calls themselves a Christian. There's nothing worse than a Christian who doesn't love, a Christian who doesn't forgive, a Christian who doesn't give. There's nothing worse. Because you're saying, I know enough. Look at me. I know and I can quote scriptures to you. I'm just not living it out. Jesus compared those two people and he said, it's, it's like one who builds on, on a rock and one who builds on sand. Jesus says, the, ones who, the one who, build, who, who listens to my teachings is like the one who's building on a rock, but the one who doesn't listen, doesn't obey, doesn't put into practice, that person's building on sand. See, hear this. It's not about how much you know. It's about who you are because of what you know.
Ladies, let me just ask you. Wives, let me ask you this way. <clears throat> what do you want from your husband? You want a husband who just <clears throat> tells you how much they love you, but they don't show it? Or do you want a husband who shows it? <laughs> right? <clears throat> it's not about how much you know. It's about who you are because of what you know. In the book of Revelation, look who's the word of God. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is... Who is he talking about? Who are we talking about here? It's Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? How much, you, how much of this do you know? How much have you hidden in your heart? Have you memorized it? Is this part of your life Or is this the first time you're seeing it all week right now? Wherever you're at, I want you to know you have a God of new beginnings. And God will reveal his purpose in your life. God can deliver you. God can set you free. God can give you joy. God can go deep. But you need to spend time in God's word. So here's the challenge. Read one chapter a day. There's the challenge. And if you have a bad day or whatever reason, let's say you don't read it at all, you're not going to go to hell. It's okay. Just start over again the following day saying, okay, I'm going to get back on this horse and I'm going to make, make an effort because this will make you stronger. This will make you stronger. This will feed you. If you're not spending time in God's word, you're just vulnerable to the father of lies. And you're being tossed around like the sea, being tossed around. I don't know how God's moving in your heart right now. Maybe you're going through something right now and you came to church and you heard this word and God wants you to turn to him. God wants you to trust him. Maybe it's your heart issue. Maybe it's like that hard path or maybe it's the thorns or, or maybe you know it's something like that and maybe God's saying, no, 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 we need to change your heart. Would you let God have his way inside of your heart? This book is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce bone and marrow and spirit. And it goes deep. Oh, God, thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you, God, that you're a God of new beginnings. And Lord, I've, I've done my best to preach your word here. God, it's so overwhelming, this task. And God, I, I just pray you move in each heart. Maybe you're ready to receive Jesus, and maybe that's your first step. You're like my friend at the hospital. Would you say this prayer? Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart right now. Forgive me for my sins. I turn away from them. I want to turn to you, Jesus. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior, the forgiver of my sins. I confess I'm a sinner. I need your grace. So this morning, as best as I know how, I I believe with my heart and I confess with my lips that you, Jesus, are Lord, and I choose to walk with you. Others of you, maybe you, you know the word, but you're not living it out, and maybe you need to say this, God, forgive me. I know enough to be dangerous, but I'm not living it out. So God, transform, change my heart. I don't want to just learn. I want to do. I don't want to just know. I want to do. So I'll be obedient to you, God. Or maybe you call yourself a Christian and you really don't read God's word every day. And maybe you need to say this, God, help me. I want to, I want to incorporate your word into my life, in my busy life every single day. Help me to do this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.